coming series. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. This is a very hard chapter for me to not go down rabbit holes and paths and all over the place um, because the very first verse in Matthew chapter 7 is probably the most quoted and most misunderstood by believers and non-believers. I, I could get so bogged down I won't be able to pass verse 1, but I promise you my, my assignment is not to talk about just verse 1. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5, New Living Translation. Do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you'll be treated as you treat others. <clears throat> the standard you use in judging is a standard by which you'll be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Let me just give you the 30-second version and let you sit down. Most misunderstood verse in the New Testament. Judge not, lest you be judged. Don't say nothing to me. You can't tell me nothing. Um, I just want you to get like the holy headbutt. I want you to know that chapter 7 comes after two chapters that were a Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus laid out some of the hardest protocol for a Christian to live up to. The ideals and the standards that Jesus laid out in the Sermon on the Mount is basically saying you cannot achieve it without the Lord's help. And then Jesus follows it up saying, judge not lest you be judged. He wasn't talking about don't tell me nothing. He was talking about, hey, as disciples are trying to live out what I just preached, don't jump on somebody that's still learning. It has nothing about, you know, why you judge me for this and judge me for that. That is not what it's talking about. Um, if you go back and read, if you read Matthew 5 and 6 and 7 in context, you'll understand what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not talking about that we can't say anything to anybody or we can't have an opinion. He's not saying that we, we what he's saying is, is, is that don't judge those that fall short of my ideals. And if he goes on, if you read it in that one, it's like, oh, I get it now. But what we do is we, we extrapolate that one verse and say, you can't tell me nothing. All right, so that's my, I got to get that off my chest. I wouldn't be able to breathe for the rest of this sermon. Is that all right? Okay, so now we're talking about something totally different. Going from judgmental to gracious. Why don't you pray? Because we're going. We have. A, we have a lot to say in a little bit of time. If I don't get to how to troubleshoot, I will talk about it on Wednesday night. Is that fair? Because I'm looking at 32 pages of notes right now. I'm not going to make you suffer through 32 pages of notes. But if I don't get to how to, to differentiate between when you're being judgmental and gracious. And, and how to safeguard yourself against those two, I promise I'll do it on Wednesday night. Is that fair? All right. Everybody on Facebook like, no, it's not fair. Tell it now. I'm, I'm sorry. We love y'all too. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, you're so good. You're so great. There's none like you. Thank you for the spirit we feel in this place. God, we've worshiped. We've read. We've jumped. We've raised our hands. God, help us as a church. God, let us not just grow in one area and be content. God, help us to grow in every area so we can become mature Christians in our worship, in our relationship. God, in what we think, in our mind, in our mouth, in our morals. God, help us. Jesus, help us to be the people you called us to be. 
not some twisted form of what a few men thought that Christianity should be. Help us to get back to what the Bible says. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. Thanks, son. We continue our sermon series at the start of the new year, looking at the kind of Christians we are becoming. It's a great time to make resolutions about living, losing weight and getting our lives together. And how about our spiritual resolutions for growth? Are we making progress on our journey of faith or are we standing in one place? So, so far we've looked at the move from an emphasis of believing to an emphasis of belonging. And I think we got that down, Pat. And, and we, we're shifting our church's focus from maintaining the organization to organizing for service. Not that everything is just nice and neat and pretty in its, in its spot and nothing ever happens, but no, we want to be moving um, in a church of action. So today, we're looking at the move from being judgmental to being gracious. It's a tough one because I can't imagine anyone would self-identify as judgmental. If you would write a profile on any of your social media, you wouldn't be like, hi, uh, I'm a married judgmental person. Uh, it's, it's, no, it's nobody's profile. It's a not desirable quality these days. Can you imagine someone saying, oh, you need to meet my friend JT. He is so judgmental. You'll love him. I mean, you don't hear that anymore. No one likes to be on the other side of judgmentalism, um, if, if you will. And yet that is a primary way our culture defines church. So an extensive survey of non-Christians, the Barna Group, found that 87% of those that were polled, 87% of them said the church was judgmental. That was a second only to anti-homosexual with the 91% of people said, that's how they described the church. Interestingly, the third highest descriptor was hypocritical. So when, when non-Christians were polled about church people, they said that they're judgmental, anti-homosexual, and hypocritical. Man, those top three aren't very... If 87% of non-Christians think the church is judgmental, then almost nine out of 10 non-church goers you meet assume you're judging them. Oh, let me say it another way. 87% of non-Christians think that Christians are judgmental. That means if you meet 10 people that don't go to church, nine of them will automatically assume you're judging them right then and there. Judging other people is a part of our human nature. It's in our DNA to draw conclusions about a person based on what we know about them. And the more information we gain about that person, uh, the better or the more we judge them. We form opinions on their looks, how they dress, their family, where they live, what they do for work. We can't not judge. The challenge is what we do with this information. How do we keep our judging from turning to judgmentalism? All right, here's a story. It's supposedly true. There was an elderly lady that was gambling in Las Vegas, and she hit it big on a slot machine. And with her bucket overflowing a coin, she got on the elevator, realizing too late that there were two large African-American men there with her standing at the back of the elevator. She was uh, inc incredibly nervous as the doors closed, waiting for the elevator to move. But she didn't move nor did the elevator. And the longer she stood there, the more nervous she got. And finally, she heard a deep voice from behind her and said, hit the floor. She threw the buckets up in the air and, and got down on her knees and screamed, please don't kill me. And there was a long pause and the voice said, no, ma'am, I mean, you have to hit the button up for a floor, the elevator won't move. As the amused men helped her pick up the coins, she recognized them as former basketball players, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley. Mm. We all judge in some way, don't we? 
Now, if, if you're on the side of the road and, and, and you're like, oh, Lord, it's raining and I got two flat tires and I, I, and I got two kids in the car and they're, and they're infants, I need someone to help me and someone the motorcycle pulls up with a hell's angle jacket, are you going to think, thank you, Jesus, or oh, Lord. We judge all the time. We're always judging, but there's a difference between being judging and being judgmental. I'll articulate the difference like this. Judging is drawing conclusions and forming opinions about someone based on information you have. So in our story, it'd be that person is tall. I bet she's a basketball player. That's judging. Being judgmental is drawing conclusions and forming opinions about someone that criticizes or condemns them. That person is tall, an African-American. I bet they're dangerous. That's judgmental. Where the church gets in trouble with this is it's how it's perceived and dealing with behaviors we label sin. The church is notoriously famous for letting people know when they've crossed the line and sinned. For example, there's some churches have a long reputation of labeling everything as sin. Activities like swimming and dancing and watching movies are all sins because we all know the famous Bible passage where Jesus warns us against the evils of doing the Macarena and binge watching the Lord of the Rings. Mm. See, let's just keep it 100, right? The, the church has a reputation of being judgmental. And every time some self-appointed religious spokesperson opens their mouth, that reputation is being solidified. Of course, we Christians don't call it judgmentalism. We call it telling the truth in love. Just telling the truth in love. Which we then use the license to point out the sinful speck in the other person's eye. A great example of this phrase is, hate the sin, love the sinner which, by the way, is not in the Bible. It may sound like a harmless, graceful statement. It's full of grace on the surface, but it carries an air of judgment with it. It's the ancient version of our modern day, bless his heart. Christians think spraying a little love on their judgment will make it smell better, but apparently 87% of non-Christians still smell the stink. Mm. But wait, there's more. Is it condemning sinners a part of who we are, called to be, as, to be Christians? I can hear it now. Pastor, the Bible is very clear that there are behaviors that are sinful, and if we don't point them out, who will? The problem is, is that we don't have a standardization or a standardized definition for what counts as sin. To be clear, the Bible does, but we don't. Here's what has happened. Our society has become more and more individualized. We developed a kind of do-it-yourself morality. I'll decide for myself what is a sin, which means a sin is usually something someone else does that I don't approve of. Are we with it? So when we do that, we ourselves are committing the sin of pride. If I, if I ask anybody, who's judgmental? No, not me. Telling the truth in love. I always, when Nora says all the time, it's like, stop being so judgmental. I said, baby, I'm just pointing out the obvious. I'm not judging. I'm not condemning them into jail or to hell. I'm just pointing out the obvious. Uh, but here's the thing is that when we, when we usually label something a sin when we don't approve of it, it's very dangerous because we're committing a sin of pride. So I would say, how many people are prideful here? No, not me, Pastor. I'm humble. Mm, if you have to say it, you're probably not. <laughs> See, putting ourselves above someone else, but, but you don't hear about people being excluded from the church for being too prideful, do you? Mm. You might be surprised to know that Jesus did very little judging himself, but had a lot to say about judging others. Our pastor today was about the log in our eyes. It's a good one. So in the story where he says to a group of people ready to stone an adulterous woman, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Well, wait, wait a minute. Let, let, let's talk about this for a minute. 
How do you hate the sin and love the sinner in that situation? We love you, ma'am. Just remember that as we're hurling boulders at your face. How do you hate the sin and love the sinner in that situation? Although Jesus was surrounded by sinners, he never judged them. This is, this is what's dangerous when people don't read the Bible. They make up a Jesus in their own mind. That's why I want you to read your Bible. Read your Bible and act like Jesus. Don't act like your favorite televangelist. Don't act like the person that you think is whatever. Act like Jesus. When you actually read your Bible, Jesus didn't judge people. What did Jesus do with sinners? He ate with them. He went to events with them. Let's be real. He went to parties with him, with them. He spent time with them. He didn't act like they were sinners. They weren't a project or a mission field. They were his friends, people with names. That's why religious scholars and Pharisees, I love the message. Mason, are you still living, are you reading the message? I love the message because Ian has now stole the Bible from me. I cannot read my three chapters. He reads it. And it's so funny when, you know, he's trying to say Sadducees and says Socrates. I, I love it, but I love when he says Pharisees, hypocrites, frauds. I love Jesus in the message. Go buy you a version of the message and read the New Testament. Jesus wears those religious people out. Hypocrites, fraud, brood of snakes. I love Jesus' language in the message. He has a bad, he has something in his craw, whatever that is in my anatomy, about religion. Just people judging. See, this is what happened. The only people that he judges are those who think they've got all their stuff together. Woe to the Christian folks. He judges the righteous for being self-righteous, for spewing hate speech about the speck in someone else's eye while ignoring the log in their own. So what can we Christians learn from Jesus about how to exercise judgment? How do we overcome the earned stereotype that Christians are judgy people and become something more gracious? Well, it starts with acknowledging that we're already guilty of the sin of judgmentalism and that our judgmentalism isn't based on the Bible, but on our own desire to feel superior to someone else. Oh, pastor, I don't agree with you. That's fine. You don't got to agree with me. I'm still right. One of the ways people lift themselves up is by putting someone else down. And when we do that, when our pride takes over, we're guilty of judging. Now, let's just, let's just be real. You don't have to say nothing because they might be here. But we all have that relative, right? That one relative? That one who can't quite get their lives together, who gets spoken about in hushed tones at family reunion, the one who makes everybody else's life difficult all year long. And if we admit it, there's a part of us that feels good about ourselves because at least we're not like them. Just don't admit it. Just, just look forward to it. More often than not, our judgmentalism is not about helping the other person get better, but about making ourselves feel good. And yet, by doing that, we're committing our own sin. Paul says it this way in Romans, addressing a group of people who were criticizing others for behavior. Therefore, you have no excuse, whoever you are, when you judge others. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, are doing the very same things. So the first part of becoming more gracious is recognizing and repenting of your own judgmentalism. We also have to own our own sinfulness, even if we find our sins the more acceptable kind. We may not really be bad sinners like murderers or adulterers or people who don't use their turn signals, but as Paul reminds us, we've all fallen short of God's glory. C.S. Lewis said it like this, there's someone I love, although I don't approve of what he does. There's someone I accept, although some of his thoughts and actions are disappointing. There's someone I forgive, even though he hurts the people I love the most. That someone is me. And for that reason, we deserve judgment, and we, we have gotten it 
We haven't gotten them because our God is a judging God. That one is, it's one of God's primary roles. God called us to be God's people, act a certain way, live a certain way, and every single one of us has fallen short of that. So have we been judged? Have we been found innocent? Wait, wait. What kind of law and order twist is this? Because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, all of us have been found not guilty of the very sins that condemn us to punishment. Christ's death on the cross has set us free from the judgment and replaced it with God's grace. Why then is the church not known for grace? That's my question. If we, you and I, right now, even the best, I don't care if you nailed it today. I, I, I woke up at 3 in the morning and I read my Bible until service began. Pastor, I stayed prayerful. I wore sackcloth and ashes and I was just walking around eating parsnips and onions. I was just, on your best day, you fall short. And the only reason we're not judged is because of God's grace. If we're a people that fall short and receive God's grace, why is the church not known to be a people of grace. Why does 87% of non-Christians think we're judgmental? Just asking questions. You know, Trip, do you notice how quiet it is in here, dude? No one's saying nothing. It's good. You know you're either preaching really bad or you're touching a nerve when everything's quiet. So I'll just say I'll, I'll do better. Why aren't 87% of Christians saying the church is too gracious instead of too judgmental? Because too many Christians still believe that it's better to shame someone into having faith than to love them into having faith. Shaming them allows me to stand above them, but loving them requires me to get down in the mess with them, to eat with them, to go to events with them, to spend time with them. It's much easier to shout at someone, stop doing that, than it is to show them there's a better way, a way we have found and a way that's changed our lives. Will Rogers said something about the American, or the Native in American, in whatever you want to call it, Native American that would, was, I never read it before until this week, that before a Native American would criticize another person, he would walk all the way around him. He would look carefully to see what the view was from that person's perspective before condemning them. I want you to think about someone or a group of people whom you're most tempted to judge. Could it be based on their looks, their lifestyles, their beliefs, their behavior? Who is that for you? Now, what would that mean for you to walk all the way around them and see things in their perspective? Just asking. Here's my resolution for 2021. I'm going to try and be known for being too gracious. Granted, I might get to heaven and God might say, you know, JT, in 2021, you love people way too much. You went way too far. You should have been more judgmental. But that's just a chance I'm going to have to take. Because this world is not going to be made better by exercising more judgment. But it could be made better by exercising more grace. Or maybe not. Maybe replacing judgment with grace will help only one other person become a Christian. But if we replace judgment with more grace and only one person became a Christian, wouldn't it be enough? So how can we make sure we're using judgment and not being judgmental? That's the question you want to do. Search that on Google and see what kind of rabbit hole you go down. Judgment for What is judging in righteous judgment? Oh, my. There's all kinds of stuff in there. So here, let's just talk about the definitions real quick. Judging. To form an opinion or come to a conclusion, to be able or qualified to give an opinion. 
judgment, the ability to make objective decisions or come to sensi- uh, sensible conclusions discerning um, judiciousness, judgmental, to display an excessively critical and un- unhelpful point of view, condemning, critically nitpicking and finding fault with another person, group of people, idea, or situation. I am not telling you not to judge. I'm telling you don't be judgmental. You judge every day. Do I go to that store or not? Do I, do I let my children watch that or not? I'm not telling you don't judge. If, some, if someone is wearing a trench coat and it's 105 degrees outside, you may not want to walk up to them and ask they want a Bible study. That's just using judgment. That's not being judgmental. So clearly there's a difference between making judgments and being judgmental. But how can you tell? Okay, how can I tell? Because, all right, I want you to go from judgmental to gracious. Great, pastor, love to do it, but how do I do it? Here's what works for me. When I'm using my judgment, practically speaking, I find I'm using my judgment when it's my job. So as a pastor, as a leader, if I'm called upon making judgments concerning whether or not someone lives up to agreed upon standards, whether it's in my job or whatever, uh, if it's my job, if I'm using my judgment, if I need to set boundaries, if there's dishonesty, when there's dishonesty of another requires I generally express how I feel and what I know to be true, that's not judging. That's not when the law requires it. Am I qualified? So I'm using my judgment when I have sufficient experience, knowledge, and understanding to render an opinion or observation, if I've been a witness or if I've if, if I walked in their shoes, when I first you know, looked inward and examined my own similar faults and selfish motives, when I've sympathized, empathized with other persons. So if, if, if I'm using my judgment, I'm not criticizing them, but when I've, if I look inside myself and say, I've already been through that, I've done that, and I begin to help somebody, I'm not judging them, I'm actually helping them. So I'm not being judgmental. Um, but when I'm being judgmental, this is what happens. I tend to cross the line of being judgmental when I'm condemning, I'm gossiping, hypocritical, excessive fault finding, aware my comments are harmful or hurtful, uh, have hurtful consequences. Let's, just, let's try to be honest in 2021, especially when it's like married folks. You know to say the stuff that will hurt, and sometimes it feels good when you say it until it gets out of your mouth. When you're aware that your comments are harmful or hurtful or they'll have those harmful, hurtful consequences, you are being judgmental, using words that invoke in me feelings of superiority, jealousy, or pride, avoiding my own faults by pointing them out in others. I'm intolerant of people not like me. I'm being judgmental, rating others based upon their appearance or associations. There's a story I want to read to you about this based on appearances. Because we don't, we don't judge a book by the cover anymore, do we? We're so past that in 2021, right? In 1884, a young man died, after, and after his funeral, his grieving parents decided to establish a memorial to him. With that in mind, they, met, they went and met with Charles Eliot, the president of Harvard University. Eliot received the unpretentious couple in the, his office and asked what he could do. After they expressed a desire to fund a memorial, Eliot impatiently said, perhaps you have in mind a scholarship. We were thinking of something more substantial than that, perhaps a building, the woman said. In a patronizing tone, Elliot brushed aside the idea as being too expensive, and the couple departed. The next year, Elliot learned that, his, that this plain pair had gone elsewhere and established a $26 million memorial named Leland Stanford Junior University, better known as Stanford. Judging a book by its cover. 
when I judge you based on your appearances. Now, if you have like MS-13 on your forehead, I will probably think you're a gang member. I'm not being judgmental. That's just based on what I know. Okay. Um, but they were non-pretentious. They didn't look like they had money and they want to do something. And he brushed them off based on appearances. So they went down the road um, and, they, and basically paid for Stanford University. So here's I have a few more things. I'm not empathetic and sympathetic or what I'm not qualified to comment. That's when I'm being judgmental. So how do we safeguard this? As Christians trying to be salt and light in the world and as church leaders striving to model biblical behavior, being judgmental is something we need to understand and work to counteract. Why? When we are unaware of our judgmental tendencies, we become angry, hateful, and defensive. Such a trait not only alienates us from others, but also from God. Therefore, it's important to guard against. And here's some approaches I use as personal safeguards against me being judgmental because my tendency is to be judgmental. Why do you think my, my resolution is to be more gracious? If I already was nailing graciousness, I would have another New Year's resolution. Pastor, don't be so real. Hey, I, if you get up here the microphone and be honest too, we'd all be surprised as well. So here's the safeguards I have. I have to practice. Oh, I can't get this word out. Patience. Before speaking, spend time with the person, seek to understand and empathize, and really listen. That's how I safeguard from being judgmental. Beam removal. Make sure I look inward first, face my shadows, and get the beam out of my own eye. How, I'm talking about how do you safeguard? How do you make sure you're not falling into being judgmental? Demonstrate grace. Realize that they have had experiences and relationships of which I'm unaware that have shaped their words and actions. Also, value frame. Ask, what if the person doesn't get their value? Or ask, what if the person doesn't get their values from the same place I do? Imagine the impact. Be mindful of the potential impact of my judgments and the law of unattended consequences. He said, you can't run through all these at one time. A lot of times, practicing patience will probably be the number one, beam removal and demonstrate grace. But I'm going to give you some more just in case that you're full of grace and, and you, you specialize in beam removal. Um, main, all right, so judge the, the sin, not the sinner. I didn't say hate. I said judge the sin, not the sinner. Maintain a non-judgmental attitude towards an individual's essence by separating problematic acts from the person. Here's the thing is that have your kids ever put a hole in the wall? Nope. You got good children. My, my haven't either, but the, they marked the mess out of them. Are you angry with them or their actions? You still love them. You're frustrated on the actions, but you don't, you don't, just, you don't tear your children down because of that. So if you want to practice not being judgmental, look at the action, not the person. So that's judge the sin, not the sinner. Know the facts. Make certain I have very, very viable. Very, very verifiable information before speaking or acting. It's also good to have somebody you talk to that doesn't believe everything you say. I love friends that trust but verify. Well, you know they say, oh, really? Who's they? Well, you know what? I, but really? Oh, so everybody? I love the fact that I don't, I'm not surrounded by people that believe everything I say. They're not thinking I'm liars, but they're trusting, but verifying, okay? So know the facts. Remain open. 
Look for additional information that may challenge my initial opinions and change my evaluations. Um, two more, avoid stereotypes. Don't form strong judgments based upon brief snapshots or cultural stereotype frames. Avoid prejudice. Beware of my own tendencies and don't base judgments on underlying prejudices. So I'm not telling you not to judge. I'm telling you not to be judgmental. I'm telling you to be more gracious. It is so much easier to be judgmental. It's so much easier to paint with a broad brushstroke. If you ever say those people, you're already in the land of judgmentalism. I don't care if, I, let me just be, I, I can't spell Caucasian, so I'll just say white. Is that all right? Um, whether you're talking about white folks or black folks or Spanish folks or whatever, if you say them, I'm not racist. Well, talk to me for a while. <laughs> the words we use. It's usually based on experiences, and stuff's not taught. So as a church, I love the fact that we used to have Spanish church, which would basically just be in certain countries, but now we have just church. It's not just one language and one race. And, and, and I love the fact that it's, it, it's not just, okay, we, it's, it's not, I've, I've preached at an, an basically all-black church, but that's not right to say it's a black church. But, I mean, I was the lightest dude in the room. So am I judging? I am making, I am speaking truth. I am the lightest dude in the room. Um, but I, it's not God's plan to have all black church, all white church, all Spanish church, all Filipino church. Now, if it's language-based, I understand. But we can all speak the same language. We're supposed to be in this together. And so are we judging? Have we all had a, a bad experience with people that don't look like us and talk like us? Absolutely. But we're being, that's not how it why would we go through all of this stuff and experience grace just to be a bunch, a conglomeration of judgmental people? We're not supposed to be like that. So however you have to safeguard it, however you have to do it. For me, if I, if, I know I gave you a bunch, but if I can just practice patience, if I just practice patience and look for more information, I can be less judgmental. Now, let me, I'll let you know on a secret. Guys are usually more judgmental than women. Why? Because we want to fix it now. Tell me your problem. Got it. Wait a minute. You don't have all the information. That's okay. Let's go. We'll get all the information later because we want to fix stuff. Guys want to fix stuff. Now, now, and so guys, I don't want to just use you to punch a bag. Women tend to be more critical. Thank you, sis. I'm glad a woman said amen. But what is that? All that is is beams. All this stuff we got to deal with. So, all right, for me not to be judgmental, and I'm not talking about, I, I just, you know, people are lazy, they're full of excuses, they're this, and then that, and this, and then break out the, you know, walk me off the edge. <laughs> Take it, breathe, brother, breathe. It's because why? Well, because I don't practice patience. I don't have all the information. And I would imagine I go out on a limb that you guys don't either. And I want to be a church full of gracious people. Could you imagine going into a place that, where nobody judges you and they accept you how you are and love you to where God wants you to be? That kind of sounds like Christianity. But what we usually see is not Christianity. What we see is church and church culture and not Christian or kingdom living. Kingdom living is, hey, we are all saved by grace. 
If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus Christ, none of us would be here. And if it wasn't for him, we, don't, we still, no matter how good we think we are, we don't deserve to be here. So why are we judging everybody else or being judgmental of everybody else and critical? Why are we not known for being overly gracious? I don't know about you, but that's, that's my initiative this year. So I had a few. I had a few. As you stand with me, I'll give you some hope. You stand with me. If you want to hear my, my New Year's initiatives, I want to continue to not lie. <laughs> how, how many of y'all lie today? Don't, don't tell me nothing. Don't tell me. I don't lie, Pastor. Oh, have you made it for 17 days this year and haven't told one lie? Yeah, just bend it. Just bend it. <laughs> bend it. We look like we're making, you know, balloon animals with the truth. <laughs> it's hard. Try to be 100% honest. See how many friends you have. See how long you stay employed. It's very difficult, but we're supposed to speak the truth. I'm trying to die to my addiction of being right. I have an addiction to be right. I have an addiction to when I hear an erroneous statement, I have to say something. That's my addiction. And number three is I want to be known for being gracious. People have a lot of adjectives to describe me, and gracious is not one of them, sis. It's not even there. I want it to be. Well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to be. Yes. But let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount and see how we're doing. Whenever you say you're supposed to be, what you're doing is the same thing as judging me for falling short of the almost impossible task that Jesus gave us to live up to. So you're the pastor, you're supposed to be. Yes, I'm the pastor. Yes, I have the microphone, but I'm doing the very best I can, and I think you are too. So with a show of hands, how many here are way, 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 way too gracious? Let me see your hands. Okay. Is there anybody this year that may have been a little bit judgmental? Okay, thank you. So I think that not just the man with the mic, but I think us as a church could stand to be a little more gracious, to move from judgmental to gracious. I'm not telling you, I'm going to say this again, I'm not telling you to not use your brain. When you judge a situation or a person is dangerous and toxic, Either you get away, say something. I'm not telling you to be naive and ignorant. What I'm saying is don't be judgmental. Condemning somebody, that's not our place. Our place is to love them into the kingdom. Well, Pastor, we got to deal with the sin. Yes, we do, and we will. But the way to do it is not by being judgmental. So if the, the top two... Hypocritical and judgmental are the way that nine out of ten people see us. We have to do better. So what do you say? What do you say, Price? Can we use a little more, be a little more gracious? You think we can this year? I think so. I'll tell you what, why don't we pray? And as Todd sings, would you just ask God to help you as I ask him to help me to move me from judgmental to gracious? What do you say?